December 31st. It's New Year's Eve, so all of you will be out tonight just hooping and hollering and drinking and <laughs> or not. It's good to see the sunshine. I don't know if it's going to warm up much, but let's let's hope for the best. Searching for Christmas uh, was what I had planned to preach this Christmas season, so I'm just going to give you one sermon out of the series. Uh, you'll get it today. How important is the name? Pretty important, isn't it? When I met Bryant, I had already met Brad, knew Brad, and and I was told I have a twin brother named Bryant. And so when Bryant came to work here in Jinx, I went to the football stadium to meet the twin brother of Brad Caleb. And the way I said it was, I said, well, I've come to see the good-looking twin. He said, well, you're looking at him right here. Because <laughs> he, doesn't he have an infectious smile, Bryant does? He just does. They both have such a spirit of God in them, don't they? And names mean something. If I called Bryant Brad and Brad Bryant, I mean, they'd say, well, I mean, they'd roll with it, but they'd like to be called by their name. And growing up, you and I were called other names other than our own name. If your mother was mad at you, every name you have (laughs) was called. And if you have multiple middle names... All of them get in there. And you know that you're the one in trouble. And the five boys, if your name is last, you're the one in trouble. So you rattle them off. And if your name's last, you should be running. Names are important. Names mean things. Names identify who we are. You may not like your name. That's me. I don't necessarily like the name that my mom and dad put on me, but I have it. Harold is just one. I don't know why, but it just has always bothered me. I just don't like it. Couldn't they have said Timmy or Fred or <laughs> Buford or something? But I don't, I don't know about, about Harold, except I do know that it means lion, that it means champion. So I thought, well, hey, okay. So that's good. But names mean something. And in our text today, we're going to be in, in uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Oh, I forgot to do our Bible thing, didn't I? Boy, we can't get out of protocol. Hold up our Bibles. I'm a child of God. Have in my hand. Powerful Word of God. Can change lives. Heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell your neighbor it's almost a new year. <laughs> All right. Matthew 1, 18 through 25, we'll pick it up at 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. 
But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So you see in verse 21 is the first name, Jesus. And then you see in verse 23, the second name, Emmanuel. Both have importance, especially to us. And to anyone who would come to know Christ as their Savior, these two names are important. Matthew is concerning or focused more on the birth of Jesus and tells the story with a focus on Joseph and his lineage where Luke focuses more on Mary, centers on Mary. Joseph had many noble qualities that we're, we read about. He, he, he has a tender consideration for Mary and her situation. Uh, he was willing to bear ridicule. He wanted to put her away privately. He didn't want anybody to ridicule her. He took the brunt of the, any criticism that might have been out there. And there's really not a lot more known about him. There's really not a lot known about him. Because Jesus was his adopted son. And that's the primary interest of Matthew's gospel. The word gospel, I'm in your, in your uh, sermon notes now. The word gospel means good news. And hints of just how good that news is occurs in the passage we read, especially when you consider those two names, Jesus and Emmanuel. And in the message today, one of those names will describe his office, what he was to do, and the other will describe his nature, who he is. But I want you to note that in the dream, the angel of the Lord tells Joseph concerning the child born of Mary, the angel says, You shall call his name Jesus. Now, what's the history of that name? This is a very common name, very common Jewish name. It's a very common Mexican name. When we were in Ensenada, at the end of our cruise, our bus driver's name was Jesus. Jesus said, I mean, Cindy said, we have Jesus driving our bus. I don't think so, because this guy drove more like Jesus than he did Jesus. I mean, we had two cars. I'm not kidding. They get out, they look, they, they say things, and then they drive off. I, I guess they don't have insurance. But Jesus was a very common name in this day because it was given in memory of the Old Testament leader, Joshua. 
If you hear a Jewish person mention Jesus, they'll say, Yeshua. And that's the Hebrew form of the name Jesus. It's interesting to compare the two figures in history. Joshua led the nation of Israel into the promised land, which at that time was Canaan. And Jesus will lead the people of God into the promised land, which is heaven. Amen. You see the comparison. But what's the significance of the name Jesus? It means God is Savior. Son of Mary was rightfully called that because He will save His people from their sins according to verse 21 of Matthew 1. Jesus would do that. He will save His people. He will save them from three or four things. Number one, from the guilt of sin. And He'll do that by offering His blood as atonement for His sins. Now let's look at Romans 5, verse 8, in the first part of verse 9. It says, But God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's a powerful verse. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God. How? Through Him. You see, it's all about Jesus and our connection to Jesus. When one is washed by the blood of Jesus, he then truly is our Savior. That's the picture of baptism, by the way. There's a death, there's a burial, there's a resurrection. There is a connecting to the blood of Jesus. In fact, there's a connection to death in baptism. It says so in Romans 6. Verse 5, it says, If you have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, that's baptism, you shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. So there is a promise attached to what happens up there. Now, does that save you alone? Because if your heart's not changed, if your repentance is not pure and true, if your sincerity is not attached, what goes to the water? Now, if it's cold water, you never forget it. <laughs> I baptized a young person in a creek that's from the snow runoff in the mountains of New Mexico. We were at 9,000 feet. I was an intern from, from college at this church. I had never been in that water before. I'd never touched that water before. So we got, it's nighttime. We're through with, we have ten young people that have decided to be baptized. Where do we go? To the creek. There was a little spot that they had that they've used for years as the baptizing spot in the creek. And we got there to the creek, and I was just all abuzz because one of our kids from the youth group where I was an intern, he was going to be baptized, and I got to baptize, and I was excited about it. And so all the other youth ministers who knew about the creek said, Hey, why don't you get down and go first? I thought, Well, absolutely. I stepped in that water, and I thought the Lord's imminent return was soon. That was cold water. And so I baptized my young person and was following him out. And every one of the youth ministers said, Hey, since you're in there, why don't you just do the rest? 
Ten, ten young people were baptized that night. Uh, I'm surprised that I had children following that. I know my neuropathy has to be a part of the freezing of my legs. But it was such a, you know, after a while you forget, you don't feel it anymore. But I remember so vividly the look on the faces of all those young people, not because it was so cold, it was, but you could see that look on their face when they came up out of the water. That that burden, those sins have been lifted. And these were just junior high kids. What lot, they didn't have a lot of sin that I could see in their life. But you know what I mean? When you come to the Lord, you don't have to have a lot of sin. There's a change. And that change was obvious in their life. And so Jesus came to save us from the guilt of sin. Secondly, He came to save us from the power of sin. By sending His sanctifying Spirit to help us people and help His people to break the dominion of sin in their life. Let's look at Romans 8, 1 and 2. Powerful verses. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life is Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Powerful. Powerful. He came to save us, thirdly, from the consequence of sin. The wrath of God to come. Romans 5, 9. Much more then, having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. Just read it earlier, but there it is again. It's in our relationship that we're saved from the consequence. And then fourthly, he saves us from the presence of sin. When we depart to be with the Lord, it's important that we're saved from, from the presence of sin. Look at Revelation chapter 7. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, These who are clothed in the white robes, who are they? And where have they come from? And I said to them, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God, and they serve Him day and night in His temple, and and Him who sits on the throne will spread His tabernacle over them. They will hunger no longer, nor thirst any more, nor will be the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and will guide them to the springs of the water of life, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Won't that be a glorious day? Won't that be a powerful day? And so we'll, we'll not even be touched by the presence of sin any longer. And so the name of Jesus should be an encouragement to us. Those of us who are heavy laden sinners. Souls which desire salvation may draw near to the Father with confidence through Christ. For it is His office, His function to show mercy. Our our memory verse, John 3.17. A very sweet and precious name to believers. For He continues to intercede on our behalf to save us from our sins. Hebrews 4 talks about Him being the great high priest who intercedes for us. And that we can approach with confidence His throne of grace. There's a popular hymn. There is a name I love to hear. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
when Jeff used to get sick with the croup, I'd sit in our bathroom, run the hot water and get the steam going, and I'd put him up on my chest and cradle him, and I would just sing, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know the song. And I would just sing that, and those words would come, and you could feel his body relax. The coughing would subside, and for a brief moment, there would be peace in his little body. But I think it's because of the name Jesus. And he was responding to that name. Matthew goes on to say not only will he be called Jesus, but he will also be called, and this is the Old Testament prophecy, he will also be called Emmanuel. What are the historical links of that name? Isaiah prophesied about him in Isaiah 7.14. I believe I have that up there, Jeff. Uh, Isaiah 7.14. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call His name Emmanuel. A virgin would give birth to a child who would be called Emmanuel. What's the importance of that name? Well, Emmanuel literally means God is with us. God is with us. It describes the Messiah's nature. He's God. Other passages talk about the aspect of His nature when it says in Isaiah 9-6, He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting Father. He is God, possessing the glory of God. He is the great I Am who shared the glory of the Father. John 1, 1-3 and verse 14. He's declared to be the Son of God with power by virtue of His resurrection in Romans 1, 3 and 4. Philippians 2, 5 through 11, He was equal with God. He humbly, willingly humbled Himself to become death on the cross for us. In Colossians 2, 9, it says, In Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. Human minds, feeble and finite, wrestle with that great mystery. But Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. I want you to see 1 Timothy 3.16. Got it on the, on the board for you. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. In one verse, 1 Timothy 3.16, Jesus' whole life is contained. His whole life is contained in one verse. Because without each element in in that verse, we wouldn't have a Savior. We wouldn't have God with us. So I want to ask you two questions. Number one, would you have a strong foundation for your faith and hope? That name, that Savior's name, Emmanuel, God with us. That will be the name you need. Second question, would you have sweet comfort in suffering and trial? Because in this life we will have turmoil. In this life we will have trial. And you will need the name Jesus. 
God is Savior. You will need that name. For in sending His Son to die, God has offered a blood atonement for our sins. In 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. Powerful verse that deals with the blood atonement where He has become the propitiation for our sins. I love the King James word there. It's one of those great preacher spitting words. Propitiation. And it sounds so Bible, people in the pew go, Wow, what is that? But it's simply blood atonement. Someone has taken our place and brought us back into relationship with God. That's the name, Jesus. So the two names you're going to need are Emmanuel and Jesus. And you'll need them for different reasons. But you'll need them because they're important names to help us in our time of need. God with us and God is Savior. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time this morning. I pray that we will continually, continually call upon your name through your Son, Jesus, Emmanuel. At differing times in our walk with you, we're going to need either of those names. We're going to need Emmanuel. But we're also going to need Jesus. Because we can focus on Jesus in our times of trial and tribulation and our struggles. But we also need Emmanuel because you have come to live with us through him. And if we have a relationship with you, our hope is salvation, eternal life. But it can never happen without that relationship. So God, if there's someone here today who needs you as their Savior, would they respond this morning? Maybe there's someone who just needs Emmanuel. They need to come and just fall on their knees in prayer. Whatever need is prevalent, would you move through them? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Precious Lord, take my hand.